the book of Ephesians. It's actually not a book, it's a letter. It was a letter written to encourage a church trying to figure out how to be in a, be a church in a world that was increasingly, the big fancy word you use is antagonistic, the much simpler word used is opposed to things of Jesus Christ. And Paul was writing this letter. He's in prison. He's struggling a little bit in one sense, but in another, his heart is going out seeking to equip the church to know how they can live full lives. And in the context of this, I invited you to consider, hey, you know what? We are called to be a family. And one of the ways we express life as a family at Alliance International Church is through church membership. And it's, it's not so much that it's something you have to do to be saved. No, it is not. But it's something we want to do to express publicly that we are part of God's family right here at AIC. And quite a few people have said, yeah, I want to join in on that. Not all of them have fulfilled the, the little course we take them through, but we get to welcome in two new members today. So I'm going to have Ben and Sui come on up this morning. Many of you know Ben and Sui, uh, Ben Yip and Sui Lee from church. They've been part of AIC. We were figuring out they were one of the first couples I baptized as your lead pastor, and that was in 2012, we decided? Yes. 2012. Uh, we've also dedicated their two beautiful little girls, Bettina and uh, Beatrice, and we are just thrilled to have them. But then there's a, there's a catch here, and it's an exciting catch. We're also sharing them. We're welcoming them into membership in one sense, but you see they have a mom and a dad that don't yet know Jesus but that, and also don't yet speak English and may not at this point in their lives. But they might be willing to come to church if they go to a Chinese church. So we're sitting there talking about membership today, and they said, but would it be okay if we worship in Chinese uh, to share the love of Christ with, my fam- with our families? And I looked at them and I said, well, absolutely, because we are one family, and we want to make every effort to invite people into the family of God. So we are welcoming them into membership as we're commissioning them to be light to their mom and dad. It's a unique take on church. (laughs) It's not one that you get when you've lived in the same place your whole life, but it is one we are proud of. So I'm going to pray for Ben and Sui, and we're going to commission you, and we are going to love seeing you around Wampo and pray that those girls grow up loving Jesus as you continue to follow. So Lord, I thank you for Ben, for Sui, for Beatrice, and for Bettina. They are your children, and we are so thankful for them. Would you bless them? Would you bring mom and dad to a a wonderfully healthy and vibrant relationship with you? Lord, we know their parents don't yet know you, but you can shine light into their lives. So as they go to Chinese church, would you just open hearts and work in minds? And may we continue to partner well with them as we equip them and prepare them in any way we can. Bless them, we pray, in your name. Amen. Welcome. And everybody greet them after church and give them a hand. Give me a hug. Welcome, Ben. You guys can have a seat. Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to cover the first 21 verses today. How are we going to do that? Pretty easily, because it's one big idea. Uh, I'm going to read it all. You can uh, follow along with me as I read these verses. And I know you're going to want me to talk on a lot of different things. And like I've said with each passage that we've covered in Ephesians, we're going to give you the big ideas expecting you, the most intelligent people in all the world, statistics tell us. Remember Hong Kong, high IQs? 
So we're going to expect you to go home and study more. What is God's word teaching me as I uh, explore him together in community? Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I just lost my notes. But among you, there must not even be a hint, be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because those, these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, don't be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Be careful then, be very careful then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Lord, these are your words. Would they just explode inside of us and out of us as we live out the gospel truth that you've presented us with? May we be a church that shines brightly as a city on a hill to a city that needs great light, to a world that needs your light. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, before we dive in, it is my duty to remind you of something very important. Our church camp is coming up in two weeks, and many of you are waiting to see who else is going to go and what else is going to come up that I might be better or more fun. I'm telling you right now, nothing will be better for your soul and for your community than joining with us but Mike, my schedule doesn't allow me to go all three days. I get that. It's Hong Kong. Stuff happens. So come for one day. Come for two days. Come when you can. But you will not regret as we spend time opening God's word to the Sermon on the Mount with Pastor Mark Price, as we spend time laughing together, as we spend time enjoying God's creation, as we spend time enjoying kids running around us. Yeah, it takes a commitment and I know in this day and age, we're afraid of commitment. I get that. But try it. You might like it. Who knows what God could do through spending time together with your church family? It's that important. So join us. I pick up our speaker uh, next Friday evening. He will, uh, I expect, be with us at church on Sunday. I'll introduce him. 
and his amazing wife, and we're just going to have a great time. And if you don't know, but Mike, I don't even know how to sign up, and I can't be bothered to read my bulletin. Well, that's okay. I get that too. So just all of you have a smartphone, I'm sure, or some device. Go to www.aic.org.hk, and the first thing you'll see is usually camp on a hill. You click that, and you can sign up. It's that easy. But Mike, it's too expensive. Don't worry. We got you covered. If it's too expensive, see me, see Dory. We will take care of you. We promise. That's nothing to be embarrassed about. We prioritize this in the life of the church. Okay? Good. Join us and be transformed as we open God's word together. This morning, I need to share with you a a deep and a dark confession uh, that's been with me for many years. It started in the early 2000s, and it became known as a craze, really. And I, I, I can't remember the exact year, but I turned on my television to a channel called CBS in America. Uh, I believe it's the Continental Broadcasting System or something, I don't know. And there was this brand new show that was taking place on a little island called Palawan that I'd never heard of before. And the name of the show was Survivor. And I began to watch this show, and I began to see and get hooked on how these people interacted with each other and how horrible they were to each other. And then I saw there was another new show, and this one was from Britain, and it was called Big Brother. And they were even worse to each other. And then all of these shows, and then we discovered this guy named Gordon Ramsay that, that learned, that taught you to cook by being mean. And everywhere I looked, there were all of these reality shows, and I was watching them. And then one day I'm sitting there watching, and I think at this point I lived in Hong Kong, and I'm like, man, I just feel kind of dirty. Because human nature is mean. These people are horrible to each other. Over a little bit of money, or a little bit of success, or a little bit of fame, let alone The Apprentice. And if you've seen that show, you, you know the state of culture around us. And I thought to myself in that moment, Why am I watching this anymore? What on earth is the point? And in that moment, I realized that that's what we think humanity looks like. This has become what we expect from humanity. That no matter what, we do whatever it takes to elevate ourselves above others, and that we take great joy in seeing others suffer in finding out how we can break down relationships, finding out who we can hook up with or whatever the term might be. And it's become very dirty. And much of culture around us has now welcomed that in. That wasn't so different from Greek and Roman culture 2,000 years ago when many things were permissible, when many things were brought into the open that were meant to be hidden. But Paul writes this section of Ephesians saying, you don't have to be like that. Just because you've been swallowed up by darkness in the past does not mean you have to live there. You don't have to live by survivor and big brother alone. There is a better way to live, but it's expensive. It will cost you and it will require choices and it will require strength that you do not have on your own. And I feel like as Paul writes these, he, in other 
parts of his letters he's written saying, I've written this with tears. And I don't know if he wrote this part with tears, but I feel just his heart exploding as he shares what he knows God wants him to say to the church in Ephesus and really churches from then on. He's teaching the church community how to move from survival to thriving by living a full life. Remember, it wasn't Paul that introduced the idea of living a full life to the church. Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it to the full. That's John 10.10. And he is committed to providing that to be possible for us. Jesus gave himself up for us that we might have full lives. That's what we were created to live in, in lives in community, one with another, in lives that lead us to invite people in to a better, a different, a healthy, a holy way to live. But it is different. And sometimes the world looks at that and doesn't like it. Sometimes the world looks at that and gets confused. And as we've moved through Ephesians, we realize that we, the church, can thrive as we understand that grace empowers us to move forward. Remember, grace gives us the the ideas and the ability to know that I have been saved by God's grace. Therefore, I can walk forward into the darkness and invite others into the light. Faith gives us the vision to act. It allows us to see a needy world and not say, well, gee, I hope somebody helps them. Faith gives us the vision and the courage to say, God can use me to make a difference in the world. And we know that peace The peace of God, shalom, the peace of God that transcends all understanding brings us together for change. We might not think the same things on everything. And on those points we disagree. Paul tells us, seek the Lord. But as we do, what we're challenged to is we're challenged to invite others in. We're challenged to work together, not to be known for being off on our own in sets, in divisions reconciliation, the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry of God bringing what was once apart together only because of Jesus Christ is so needed. And reconciliation allows us to give peace away. What do I mean by that? Remember, as Paul's writing this, he's showing the church that yes, people will hurt you. People have hurt you. Bear with one another in love. Make every allowance for people to come back to God. Remember what God said so often in Hosea and in Malachi, he's welcoming people back that don't deserve it. We, the church, should have wide open gates, welcoming in suffering, sinning people, saying, you can be safe here. Your sin will not define you. The grace of God defines you. Your identity is secure in him. And we will work to restore those broken relationships with you even if it's painful. And as we do that, we see ourselves and those around us growing up in maturity. Don't we all long for that? Don't we long if we're raising children to see them grow up as healthy and fully functioning adults that if we're lucky, we'll someday leave the house? Get there faster. We want our kids to leave the house eventually, right? Yes. Maybe not. I know, moms, it's hard. But maturity not only wants our kids to grow up, we want them to be unified. We want to understand that maturity says we are much more known for who we are for than what we are against. 
immaturity says, I am going to get on Facebook and comment on every negative thing and make every political statement and let everybody know how angry I am at the world. Now, there is a place for healthy discourse, and sometimes Facebook can be that place. But what if we shone light in a healthy, respectful manner into that? That shows a certain level of maturity. And I'm very thankful to say that uh, as far as what I see among our people that have friended me on Facebook, you guys, you comment well. Thank you for that. And finally, as we're growing up in unity, as we're growing in maturity, we learn that worship and live in worship that leads to truth. That yes, we can see that the world is breaking all around us, but now as we've grown and we've matured, we can speak truth to that in love. Instead of going back into our immature days where we just point out everyone's faults and hope they suffer, i.e. every reality show ever made. No, we're going to live different. We're going to grow up. And we're going to say that my life, my spiritual act of worship, is going to invite people into a life of love because Christ first loved me. That's a thriving church. Well, how do we get there, Mike? How do we get to a place like that? Well, Paul doesn't take long to get us going. He says, I want you to be full. You look at Ephesians 15 and 16 and then 19b and listen to what he says. Be very careful. I want you to live wisely, right? Okay? Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Dot, dot, dot. Then he explains how the days are evil. And then to make things fit on the slide, I had to skip to verse 19 or to a little further on. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, I'm going to leave that last part hanging there for a minute because many of you might wonder, Mike, are we supposed to go around? That's not what Paul is meaning there. Our very speech, our very disposition, our very body language should reflect Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can't help but be thankful in all situations. Psalms were this wonderful thing of sometimes it meant crying out to the Lord in pain, and other times it meant crying out to the Lord saying, God, you're so great. How could I ever forget you? It was all of those things. Hymns were an extension of that. And yes, it seems Paul loves music. I love music, but that doesn't mean I need to share it out loud with you. We do it in other ways. We express that. But the key here is right before that. Be filled with the Spirit. Or if you've grown up in the church, you know that most pastors will now get up and say that that's not actually what the text says. But Mike, it says it. It does. But in Greek, you have an ability to live in a present perfect tense that we don't quite have in English. So what it actually says is be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? How can I be being something? Well, I'm glad you asked. So let's start with what happens at the moment of salvation. At the moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit came upon you like never before, and you were baptized by the Holy Spirit, identified with God through Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. You have the Holy Spirit with you. However, Much like at one point in my life, we had a room upstairs in our home that leaked. And everything that was supposed to be stored and drained in that 
that bathroom as it was, was now coming down into another room and it was a big mess. Sometimes the cares of this world, sinful behavior, distractions, timing, hunger, keep us away from living in the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. God is not less with us today than he was yesterday. That doesn't mean we're relying on him as much today as we were yesterday. So when Paul is saying, be being filled with the Holy Spirit, he's not saying God has left you. No, Jesus says, I'm sending you one. He'll never leave. He will, forever, he will, however, allow you to neglect him. We see that in the church today. It's painful to say, and it's painful to observe times in my life where I can say, I just walk through life sort of in a haze. I'm not living in the power and the freedom of the Holy Spirit that I've been invited to. Too many other things have gotten in the way. Distractions have crept in. Paul is saying, be full of the Holy Spirit. And he's going to show us exactly what that looks like. We want to be full, right? And we know we should, but Mike, it's confusing. Well, let me give you a really simple illustration. When I used to teach English in Beijing, it was about time to leave for the semester or something. And so the, the school through a big banquet. And um, being one of the teachers, they found out all the foods that I had learned to love in mainland China. And it was really down to two foods, dumplings and Peking duck or Beijing duck. Those were my two favorite foods. And so we got around this giant table and they had done different things for every one of the teachers. And for me, they plop a whole duck in front of me and they plopped the, just the giant, most huge bowl of dumplings I could find. And they said, thank you for teaching us. And I said, thank you for feeding me. And I spent the next three hours eating and eating and eating and eating. And it was amazing. And at the end of it, I'm like, oh, I felt so full, right? But the great thing about food is that it wears off. And so five hours later... I was hungry again, right? Happens to the best of us. Maybe it takes less than five hours for some of you. Maybe it takes more. That's metabolism. But here's the thing. Our spiritual hunger has sadly functioned a lot the same way. When one minute, whoa, Lord, your word is so great. I love, oh, wow. Next minute, ooh, TV. Ooh, this. Ooh, my kids. Ooh, my work. God, you'll understand. And suddenly we've begun to lose our appetite and we've hungered for other things. And Paul's saying, no, nah, there's a way to hunger for what's right. The psalmist says, I hunger and thirst for God's righteousness and it's only found in one place. So how do we, how do we learn to live full lives? How do we learn to live in the fullness of being filled with the Holy Spirit all the time? And by the way, this is a journey for me. I'm not standing up here as an expert saying, I am living in the power of the Holy Spirit all the time. All week I have wrestled with doubt and discouragement. Why? Largely due to probably the fact that I'm supposed to speak this message. And therefore I'm going to question everything. But this I know to be true. We are called to imitate someone. We are called to imitate the only person worthy to be imitated and copied all the time. God the Father through Jesus Christ. 
Look at what Paul says. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. But you know what? Many of us learned this slightly differently back in the olden days before the new international changed. And I actually really like how the New Living Translation translates this. Look at it together with me. Imitate God. Notice he doesn't say try to be God. That's different. This is walk like God. Therefore, in everything you do, all of life, you've heard me say this for years, everything is spiritual. Everything is worship. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his children, his dear children. Live a life filled with love. Do we? Do we feel like our lives are filled with love? I hope so. Following the example of Christ. Okay, so now I know that I'm supposed to imitate God by following Jesus Christ and the example he set before. Why do we need that part? Well, if you go to Christmas every year, the pastor gets up and he tells you about the incarnation, not the drink carnation, incarnation, God becoming man and living among us. God becoming man and living among us lets us see a human being that walked and talked and lived as we are invited to. And not only that, but he made the way possible for us to live full lives because of how he lived and how he gave his life for us. So we are then supposed to follow God's example or imitate God by following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself for us as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, if I were a youth pastor, what I would do right now is I would tell you to lean into your neighbor and smell them. Don't do that. But I wonder, some of you just did, but I wonder how do we smell to those around us? How do we look, sound, feel to those in our circles? Do they see Christ in us? You want to live a full life? You say, God, I'm going to do what Jesus did and I'm going to follow his example. That's step one. It really is that simple. It's hard to do. There are decisions we have to make. I had to give up that reality TV, man. Now I watch Master Chef for kids. It's much more wholesome. And those kids are way better cooks than me. I do not understand how little kids can cook that well and how mom and dad let them use knives. But anyway, we are to imitate the right person. That's step one. So who's controlling your life? Who are you copying? I've been known to say silly things over the years, and I remember uh, with my oldest child, uh, apparently she had heard me, she must have been about three years old and we were leaving one day, and she had heard me say a saying that I say a lot, and uh, my son, I guess, must have been a little younger at that point, and I must have somehow asked the question to the degree of, Isaiah, why aren't you singing with us as we were singing in the car or whatever we were doing? And my eldest looked up and said, oh, don't worry, Dad, he's chilling like a villain. Those of you that... I guess that, that idiom hasn't translated very well to Hong Kong. But it was funny at the time. And I'd realized in that moment, oh my goodness, that kid that I am charged with leading and imitating life to is hearing everything I say. So I better be careful with what I say. And she now is a professional at chilling like a villain and has taught that to her brother and sister. We are to imitate the right people. Because why? 
If we imitate Christ, we know that when people look at us, they see Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that's key. Second, and this one, uh, parents, if you have any child, I want you to lean in to this part of the message. I want you to run to them and have a hard conversation with them today. Don't let somebody else do it. Why? Because sexuality and perverse behavior is all around us. And if you aren't having that talk with your child and with your loved ones, other people are, I promise. I spoke uh, this week. I had the most overwhelming privilege of speaking uh, to a bank on two separate days, talking about fatherhood and parenting. And I was sitting up, actually standing up on the 63rd floor of the IFC Tower, looking out at this amazing view, trying to tell people that we want our kids to raise up, to be raised up with good, healthy values, right? Yes. Then we cannot outsource parenting to somebody else. It's on us. In the same way, church, we want our church members to grow up into healthy, vibrant disciples, healthy followers of Jesus Christ then we must have the truthful, hard conversations. What do I mean by that? But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. These are out of place, but rather replace them with thanksgiving. I'm not going to get up here and, and talk in maybes and relative terms because I can find no study to give me any hope. We are a church likely in every way, just like just about every other group of Christians that struggles with pornography, that struggles with sexual infidelity, that struggles with emotional cheating on our spouses, that struggles with cheating on our taxes, that struggles with uh, being greedy and selfish and uncaring, that lets the poor and the oppressed suffer while we get more and more comfortable. And Paul is saying, there is a way to combat that. But that darkness has got to come in to the light. I don't like standing up here saying that I know as a church, pornography can be a real struggle for any of us. Men and women, the stats now grow closer and closer that both men and women struggle with it. So let's not just hope it's somebody else's problem. Instead, let's be a church that says there's hope and there is a way out. And that way is Jesus Christ. And that way is accountability. I listened to a podcast last week and the guy had been a pastor and a very famous worship leader and he's been restored, but he had struggled tremendously to the point where it had cost him his family and his ministry for a season. And as things were rebuilt, the podcaster asked, Carlos, what brought you back? And he said, well, I already knew what I had to change, but no matter how hard I tried to change the bad behavior, I couldn't let go of it. It was harder and harder. And you can choose whichever bad behavior that is. He said, it wasn't until I learned to run from sin and to Christ Jesus that everything changed. I wasn't just begging my wife for forgiveness. I wasn't trying to correct a bad habit. I was embracing a relationship with a God that loves me and forgives me and is rebuilding my identity. Carlos learned a lesson that all of us need to know. When and if we struggle with sin, we run into the arms of Jesus. You will not get better on your own. 
you will not dig yourself out of the hole. How do I know this? Read the pages of Scripture. They're littered with people that have tried to dig themselves out, and yet God has to get up and use his prophets to say, come back, you did it wrong again. But when we embrace a relationship with a living and active God, who through Jesus Christ says, you have access to me for eternity, it changes how we see ourselves. Yes, mistakes have been made. Yes, you can't undo that sinful pattern that was in the past, but it can be let go and moved forward by God's power and by a relationship that lets you see there's so much more to life than brokenness. There's so much more to life than temporary pleasure. There's so much more to life than you fill in the blank. There is a relationship with Jesus that lasts all eternity and is the best relationship you can possibly have and it's the most important relationship that you can possibly have and it's the most powerful relationship that you can have and as you learn to live and dwell and as paul says here and john continues on as you abide in jesus christ he changes how every other relationship in your life works he brings you back to himself and lets you see with eyes of faith that you are a new creation. Will you still struggle with sin? Absolutely. But now you know there is a relationship so much greater that shines light into the darkness and shows you the way out. Have those hard conversations. Run to Jesus. If you're struggling right now, AIC is a church that says we will walk with you. We're not going to defend your sin, but we are going to do everything in our power to help you be set free from it. And we are going to point you to the person of Jesus Christ. And we are going to love you every step of the way as you let his light shine through you. For you were once darkness. Notice he doesn't say there you were once in darkness. He actually says you were darkness. And when darkness is referred to in the Bible, it doesn't just mean after sunset. It means sin, death, darkness, no more. You were once sin, but now you are light in the Lord Jesus Christ. Are we perfect? No. I'm not getting up here today saying that I have this all figured out and I have made every perfect and wise decision in my life. No, but I'm saying the scripture shows and tells me that I can let the love of God shine through me that others will see him in me and rejoice as I grow in goodness and righteousness and truth. You want to know how to live full of the spirit? Well, give yourself a quick exam. If your life is truly hidden in Christ Jesus, you're living in him, you're letting the Holy Spirit guide you, you know what's going to come out of you? You ready? I'm going to blow your minds. You'll have never heard this before. Love. Joy, peace, patience. Uh-oh, Mike has some work to do on that one. Actually, probably on all of them. Kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. How do we battle that sin? By living in the power of the Holy Spirit, dwelling in the person of Jesus Christ, crawling into the arms of the Father, saying, God, I'm yours. My identity is yours. And your light will shine out of me, and others will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And they'll see you. 
He does that. I didn't wake up this morning and say, I'm going to fake being patient today. Because then I sit in traffic and it goes away, right? Or any number of things. But when it's coming out of me, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If Christ has my heart, my mouth speaks life. And we talked about that last week. Finally, as we learn to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, ooh, we don't like this one. This one's hard. We discover the discipline of submission. But Mike, you don't understand. You're right. I don't. I don't even need to finish that sentence. I don't. But I also don't understand how a perfect and loving and righteous and holy God would give up his son to save a person like me. Filthy, selfish, gross, that's been saved by the blood of the lamb that we sang about just a few moments ago. But he did it, and it wasn't fair. And he did it because he loves us and wants to see us live in his glory for all eternity, both now and forever. And so if he can take on the very nature of a servant, considering others better than himself, can't we? Can't we do that same? It's hard sometimes to submit to people that don't deserve it. I get that. I'm from a country that has taken great pride in fighting for our rights, even when we're wrong. But in Christ Jesus, I don't have to fight for anything but to show people his light. And I will let him defend my cause. And if I give my life as a sacrifice for many, so be it. Praise the Lord. If I go through a painful time, but Christ can be seen in how we walk through that painful time, amen, that's the Holy Spirit at work in us. But we have to run to him. We have to say, here I am. So how are we going to do it? We're going to be a thriving church. And these are, these are common sense. We know these things, but my prayer is that today we would be driven to our knees to say, Lord, we're not just going to know this, we're going to live this. First, a thriving church lives in the Spirit. When we come together, people say, wow, they are different. I want to be around them because the spirit around them is just full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control. I want to be near that. I want to be in a place where the Holy Spirit is just exploding. Not only that, we live in the spirit by following Jesus Christ. I'm going to make hard decisions even when people treat me badly as I make those hard decisions. My reputation with Christ is more. He is enough. Second, we're going to walk away from destructive patterns. Notice the last two words in your notes there. Get help. You're not invited to do it on your own. You're invited to let the community of God walk with you. It's why scriptures tell us, confess your sins one to another, not so that Mike can look at you and say, well, you stink at life, you're horrible. But that's what we're afraid is going to happen. That's what the church has done way too many times. No. AIC, as long as I am your pastor and as long as this church has elders and leaders that are following God's word, will be a church where we say, okay, we've seen that sin. We know we are sinners saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Therefore, we will walk with you through this struggle. We are the church. Next. We give power to the light by speaking truth. Bring the darkness into the light. Notice what happens as you read the progression of thought in this passage. The darkness disappears. 
Because in light, there can be no darkness. Right? I can't make this room pitch black unless I get rid of all the light. Well, the inverse is just as true. When there is light, there is no darkness. Invite people into the light of truth. Walk with them through that. Help them raise their expectations, their dependence on the Holy Spirit to live a different life. We may slip. We may fail. There is grace. But keep moving forward. Keep taking steps of faith. And finally, a thriving church concedes our wants in order to meet others' needs. For the past three years, I have written plans of where it seemed God was leading AIC into new territory and into new plans and into new strategies and timings. None of those have worked. In the eyes of man, I have failed. Simple as that. We're not where I said we would be, right? Mike, did you lack faith? Elders, did you fail? No. Have we sinned? Sometimes. Are we human? Yes. But we have had to learn the discipline of submission, saying we are going to seek to find ways to meet people at their point of need wherever God places us. We'll keep making plans, and we will keep letting God redefine them according to his plans. Because what does Paul teach us in Ephesians 5? Discover the will of God for your life. How do you do that? Abide in Christ, in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, enjoying fellowship with the Father. May AIC be a thriving church, living in the power of the Holy Spirit, bringing into light what was once hidden in darkness so that we can show the world the only way to live. Lord, you are our light and our salvation, and we worship you. Amen. As we've done each week over the past four weeks, uh, we're going to close by singing a video song today because it's not very well known. Uh, It's called, O Church Arise. Now, we've sung this each week, but I don't know that if you've noticed that as you pay attention to the words, you are singing the major points of the book of Ephesians. So as we sing the songs together, we sing out victoriously that we have hope. We have power. And we have strength to take that next step to freedom and thriving through Jesus Christ. So would you stand with me as we sing together?